The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Christ. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who is said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. About a thousand years before a star shone over a stable in Bethlehem, catching the attention of shepherds and wise men, David, son of Jesse, was a young shepherd in Bethlehem. Having had a bit of experience rescuing his sheep from the jaws and claws of lions and bears, he decided to take on the dreaded warrior Goliath. David, as you may know from your Sunday school days, won that unlikely battle, armed only with a slingshot. He quickly became famous for his victory over Goliath, enraging King Saul with his popularity and ego. Over the course of a decade or so, David acquired a number of friends, enemies, wives, and children. And by the age of 30, he found himself on the throne as King David. He hadn't been king for long when he looked down from his shiny new cedar palace into the courtyard where he had pitched a tent for the Ark of the Covenant to reside in, 
and he thought perhaps something ought to be done about this living arrangement. He in a tower, God in a tent. Politically and spiritually, it was, to say the least, an awkward arrangement. This is the moment of today's first reading. David ponders aloud to Nathan, his court prophet, about the state of affairs. He wonders if he ought to build a house for God so they can be proper neighbors. Now, it is important to note that our translation uses the word house for the Hebrew words that mean palace house, temple house, and dynasty house. When the prophet Nathan heard David's plan about building a temple house for God, he thought it was a good idea. But later that night, God gave Nathan a message for David, and that message went something like this. What? David wants to build me a house? What's that all about? I am perfectly fine where I am, but I have a plan for David. So here's what you can tell him. You, David, were once a shepherd, but I took you from the field and made you a king. And from you will come a descendant who will be a son to me. And so I will protect you and your descendants. You, David, in your palace house, you will not build me a temple house, but brace yourself because I'm about to build you a dynasty house. God's big plans trumped David's big plans. Over the next few hundred years, David's descendants remained on the throne. David's son, Solomon, did go ahead and build that temple house for God. But then in 587 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple, dethroned the Davidsons, and moved them to Babylonia. It seemed as if God's covenant with David was dead. In human terms, it was. The next 14 or so generations of David's offspring were essentially nobodies. And then, in the line of David, a baby boy was born, whose name was Joseph. Joseph grew up and became a carpenter. He lived in Nazareth and was engaged to marry a girl named Mary. This Mary was instrumental in waking up God's dormant promise. As I think about the magnificent role that Mary played in God's story when she was about 15, I think back to what I was up to as a 15-year-old girl. When I was 15, I was painfully shy and cautious. The bravest thing I think I did at that age was to say yes when a leader of a youth retreat asked me to give a talk to a group of peers I nearly gave myself an ulcer, preparing to follow through on that yes. I gave the talk, though, knees shaking and face blushing the whole way through. Friends and family joked that that was about the time in my life when I started talking in general to more than one person at a time. For me, just speaking took a huge amount of courage. So when I think of Mary and I compare being asked to give a 10-minute talk to being asked to sacrifice reputation, body, soul, and life to the task of carrying God, giving birth to God, and raising God to adulthood, 
and I tried to multiply the pressure of that request exponentially with my own teenage angst, my imagination fails me. When teenage David offered to fight Goliath, a standard for courage was set. And in my mind, Mary surpassed even that standard, even that courage. Both of them risked their lives, but only Mary risked everything. And in risking everything, she became the house that God designed for God's self. God scoffed at the idea of David building him a cedar house. But a thousand years later, God was ready to reside in a house on earth. And the house God chose was the body of a brave and faithful 15-year-old girl. Mary became the temple house for God. She became the palace house for a new kind of king. And she would house in her womb the culminating figure of a unique dynasty that began long before her time and ended with the son of David, son of God, son of man, son of Mary, the Messiah who was beginning to take form cell by cell. In her. As far as we know, Mary is the only one to have carried an incarnate God as a baby in her body. And Jesus is the only one to have been an incarnate God made flesh. But they have both set an example for us. And in some mysterious and indescribable way, we are invited to do as they did. We are invited to open ourselves to become temple houses for God and palace houses for the seeds of the kingdom born in the part of us that dares to say yes. And yes, building actual cedar and stone temples is part of the way that we do that. But as hinted at in today's gospel, I don't think we build them for God so much as we build them for ourselves. I need this place and I need the community that this place is big enough to house so that I can regularly pray with you all and learn with others about this dynasty that began with creation and is traced through God's promise to Abraham to be with him always. And God's promise to Abraham's descendant, David, to be with him always. And God's promise to the fiancé of David's descendant, Joseph, to be with her always. And God's promise to Mary's baby boy to be with him and somehow to be him always. There is something about being here that helps me to be present to a God who promises to be present. And because we built this church temple house and gather in it together, we have a place in which to be fueled so that we may go out into the world as facilitators of God's dynasty, God's kingdom. But let us not think that God is contained merely in the wooden and theological structures we have built for God has shown that divinely chosen houses come in the form 
of tents and hearts and lives and small groups of people who gather in small places and war zones and hospitals and prisons and moments where people say yes to the angels. God has also chosen to reside in one particular uterus and one particular baby and in a dingy barn in a dusty land and in forms and structures so unlike the ones we expect and the ones that we build with our best intentions. I risk presumption when I say God chooses to reside in our worship. I think I can say it safely because I have felt God with us when we gather. Now, we will gather a few times on Christmas Eve. And in our 3.30 service, the children will offer the story of Christ's birth. As we witness Mary and Joseph traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem, the city of David, and we see shepherds, distant cousins of David's, with their fluffy toddler sheep roaming about between these pews. May we see how God's promise moved through the generations. And may we spiritually step into genealogical line with Abraham, David, Joseph and Mary, Jesus. Us and those who came before us, all parts of the dynasty house that God has chosen to inhabit. Amen.